Hello, this is Simon Bean, host of the Learn to Grow podcast. I am very excited this week to have Shelly Osborne on the show. Shelly is the VP of Learning at Udemy and author of The Upskilling Imperative, which is a wonderfully insightful book centered on how we can make learning core to the way we work and also an emphasis on the business value of a learning program and why learning itself is the actual future of work. In our conversation, we talk about all kinds of things like moving from traditional classroom over to workplace learning, We talk about the importance of experimenting with a wide range of skills and competencies, the need for agile learning and growth mindsets, and why it's everybody's job to build a learning culture. This was a fascinating conversation. I think if you're looking to bolster your learning program, if you're looking to present back to the business about the business value of learning, this podcast and this book is certainly for you. Really appreciate Shelley taking the time, really enjoyed the conversation, and I think you will too. Here is Shelly Osborne. Hi, Shelly. Hi, how are you? I am fantastic. How are things? Excellent. Thank you for having me today. You're very welcome and uh, really appreciate you taking the time out of what I'm sure is a hectic schedule in the, in the lead of Christmas here. Is there such a thing as winding down towards Christmas at Udemy or is it just a constant form of chaos? Um, I mean... I don't know if I'd call it a constant form of chaos, a steady, steady form of busy. How about that? This is definitely an important time for us. Um, we're, we're definitely trying to support folks around the world with learning. And, and even even the holiday season is is full of learning opportunities. Steady is much more manageable than constant. Isn't it? <laughs> totally, totally. First of all, c- congratulations on the book. Your book, Upskilling Imperative, is fantastic. I was uh, really not pleasantly surprised, but I just I took so much away from it and so much of what you talked about felt kind of in sync with where we are and, and, and how I think about uh, learning in general. First of all, what is it like to have the book out there heading into the Christmas season to know that a book that you wrote might feature as a gift for somebody or under someone's tree or in somebody's stocking? That must be pretty cool. Oh my gosh. Well, first, thank you for, for saying all of that. That's wild, I have to admit. I, I've said this uh, a couple of times before to some of my colleagues. I thought a lot about writing a book but it's been just such a fun surprise to realize people are reading the book and, and how cool that is um, to have people sharing it back with me and telling me the things that they enjoyed about it is just like, it, it's such a magical experience and I didn't realize how fun it would be. Uh, so it's it's a delight, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I'm sure the uh, the payoff, the gratification uh, is probably worth all the, the time and effort and the grind that goes into writing it. Yeah, and let me tell you, there, it does take a lot more time than you think. That's the other thing I learned writing writing a book for the first time ever. It took way longer than I thought, and it was um, there was lots of parts of the process that I didn't even know about or hadn't even anticipated. I mean, anybody who's ever even written an article knows how hard it is to, <laughs> to put a piece of writing out there. It's tough. And- yeah, totally. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So it's, it seems we both spent 10 years in traditional classrooms. What was it that made you go from the traditional classroom over to, to workplace learning? You know, I really loved teaching. Um, it was such an incredible career and experience, but I kind of hit this point where I wanted to do something new and something different, and I didn't want to be uh, a vice principal or a principal. It just didn't appeal to me to not still be doing this sort of educational angle. And I started a master's degree and started to fall in love with this idea of of the continuous learning, this ongoing learning, because it's something I've always been a part of. Every challenge in my own life, I've responded to through learning, 
even that moment of, oh, gosh, what do I do next? I, I, I responded to it by starting a master's degree. And that really led me to this sort of post-secondary, after, after you finish your, your college degree, your university degree, that adult learning space. And I got really excited about how much opportunity there is there because it's the rest of everybody's life. Um, and I fell into a really incredible role at a, at a company in Canada called PCL that is this multinational construction company, uh, but they have the best learning culture. They're just so all about learning. And I couldn't have been more fortunate for that to be my first role in the sort of corporate workplace learning space because the bed of exemplars on what this can be in all kinds of industries. So, so that's really how I ended up where I am today, that first sort of, hey, what's next moment and, and starting to craft that, that path. So following up on that then, you, you mentioned post-secondary education and, and kind of adult learning. And careers, and you mentioned this in the book, uh, careers last, say, you know, for lucky knock on wood, last 40 or 50 years. And, and we, we change roles, we change jobs more than we ever did. You know, the life of the skills we acquire is also shrinking, right? Isn't it a bit ridiculous to say education is finished after our formal schooling? Oh, my gosh. It's so ridiculous. It's one of my um, biggest challenges to, to the world. I, I just want us to think differently about ourselves I've been saying a lot lately that I wish we'd stop describing ourselves as our roles. You know how people do that? Like you you meet someone for the first time and we immediately go into, so what do you do? Uh, that's just really short-sighted today because we our roles change so quickly. Our skills, um, the, the half-life of skills is about five years. So we, we need to consider ourselves, in my opinion, as learners constantly. Because that is truly what we all are. We're we're learning about ourselves. We're learning about our roles and new roles and learning new skills as we go. So I just find the the concept that that education is this this thing we do early in our life is very very broken. In fact, we have that ceremony at the end of either high school or your post secondary education, and it's often considered a culmination, but it's not. It's a commencement ceremony, and a commencement means a beginning, and it's a beginning of all our the rest of our learning, really. What people say about our professional identities, you know, that what do you do question. Yeah. I think the, the precursor to that question is also what we ask kids when they're in school, which is, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? Yes. Isn't that the form of the same question? It's so true. You're absolutely right. And, and you know, we're, we put this pressure on kids to figure it out so, so early, and and we don't set them up necessarily with the mindset that they can shift a whole bunch of times, that, that they should be in the business of, of grabbing a bunch of skills and a bunch of competencies and a bunch of abilities, because that actually is what really benefits someone when they hit the working world. How do we start to create a more seamless balance or transition from traditional education out then into, the, into workplace learning, and then go back into schools and, and help you know, students understand the soft skills that they need uh, to go out then in the workforce and, and be productive and network and sell themselves and, you know, meet people and, and communicate and collaborate. How do we find a way to blend those two worlds, do you think? I think for me, I'm really focused on on supporting people in, in understanding their own learning agility and developing that growth mindset. I think we talk a lot about that, but we don't um, our curriculums in, in the K-12 space and post-secondary don't support that. We're still very much focused on 
specific uh, learning goals. And we don't necessarily think about teaching the ability to learn or those, those soft skills, as you mentioned. And that has to translate to the workplace as well. We need to be teaching people how to have learning agility. The most important skill any employee can have is the ability to learn. I love that. And I love the idea of agile learners. Is that a skill that already exists in in everybody and that is just kind of lying there dormant (laughs) until it's unlocked? Or is it a specific skill set or mindset that you have to, like you said, teach people to be able to use? How does that work? I think it's a little bit of both. So I think it's there. I think everyone has the potential to be like this, to, to have learning agility and a growth mindset. But it has to be honed. And like anything, we have to practice it. It is a practice more than it's it's a skill, right? Like it's not something we can just grab once. You have to continually work on it. Uh, one thing I like to do, both myself and with, with my husband, with my team, is to focus on um, some learning agility questions. And it just sort of gets your mind thinking about what you're learning, what you should be learning, and what you could be learning. And the questions I use are focused on a past look. So what have I learned before that might be relevant? What am I learning right now that, that's sort of happening in, in my, my life, that this last sort of recent history? And then giving yourself the opportunity to sit back and think, gosh, what do I need to learn next? What, what could be coming for me? What could be an opportunity? What could be helpful to me? And that sort of past, present, future look just opens our mind to thinking about ourselves as those learners. Isn't it also a time of great responsibility and accountability on the individual to, you know, advocate for their learning needs, to contribute to a culture, to have the right mindset, as you've said? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of everybody's responsibility. You know, when I talk about a culture of learning in my book, I'm really um, opening the doors of responsibility to everyone. I certainly think that learning and development leaders like myself, executives, CEOs carry a lot of that responsibility and in building cultures that way. But it doesn't happen if everyone doesn't participate. It's everyone's job to build a learning culture and and sort of have this perspective about learning. Learning is how a company can respond to to a challenge or a miss or, you know, some might call it a failure. I always call those learnings. That's that's such an important way for us to to think about ourselves and our work. If we if we do that, we're far more innovative, we're more creative, we're more agile and flexible in the face of change, which, gosh, recently has obviously been incredibly important. <laughs> I used to teach Ralph Ellison's uh, Invisible Man. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was thinking back about what Ellison said about culture. And his narrator has this revelation that uh, you can't create culture but you can empower individuals and you can help individuals create themselves. And then culture arises from that. Do you think that's true or is culture about empowering individuals or is it something that you target specifically? I think it is about empowering individuals. The way I think about my job is to create the conditions for a learning culture to take root. And and there I do that, that are targeted in that fashion, but the learning culture isn't something I make, and it's not something my team owns. It's something that we cultivate and foster, and we we think about the the conditions and abilities we've we've created around the company. For example, to me, and I'm sure you'll agree as a former teacher as well, that feedback is so essential to learning and development. It is 
It is where we find out how to grow. It is where we find out about our opportunities. And, and that's something I figured out as a teacher. Now that is a really important foundation for a culture of learning. And that's something that, that we've worked hard to build at Unimi. I just think that those are the kinds of things you can do, but then you empower individuals to act on that. It's interesting too. Feedback generally comes from either a mentor or a uh, peer potentially. And I've heard you talk about the zone of, of optimal development. Yeah. Yeah. The difference between what somebody's capable by themselves um, and what they are capable of with the help of a mentor or a guide. Why is that concept so interesting to you and how important are mentors when it comes to unlocking our full potential, say? I think that, that that concept is so interesting because I think we can all consider a time in our life where we had that mentor, we had that coach or that teacher who, you know, sort of scaffolded support where they, they showed us something and then they, they gave us an opportunity to try, they gave us a little bit, bit of feedback and then they set us out on our own to do it and, and, and maybe we stumbled, they gave us some feedback and the next time we excelled. You can probably think about a time where that's happened to you. And that's so critical to learning because if we don't have that sort of that sort of process where where we're like, you know, navigating through learning, we are often uh, stumped or, or we feel like we can't rise to the occasion because we're, we're alone in it. We don't have someone to to bounce ideas off of. So to me, I think that mentoring and coaching are critical elements to a learning culture but also just to to learning in general. Um, I, I'm sure anyone listening and, and probably you you're yourself as well, you can think of those people who helped you reach that next level or learn that thing. And, and had they not been there, you, you might not have figured it out on your own. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm deeply indebted to mentors of all kinds. <laughs> I love I love how you say that, deeply indebted. <laughs> Thinking about culture, uh, then, and you guys have seemed to have done a great job implementing a positive learning culture. When you look around, is it easy to see the fruits of your labor, right? Like, is it easy to see people doing things day to day and say, ah, look, that's happening because of the culture that we've fostered, right? Like, are, are the agents of culture in your organization readily identifiable? Is that easy to spot for you? Oh, absolutely. And it's one of the things that I get the most excited about when I see folks in the organization suddenly hosting their own lunch and learns or uh, they're finding courses on the Udemy platform and sharing it with their teams. We have a feature on, on the Udemy platform as well called Learning Paths. And you see teams building their own learning paths for either a project or initiative they're doing or to onboard folks to their team. It's really, really exciting. And I mean, even the feedback concept at Udemy, we, we call it feedback is fuel. I Probably one of my most um, exciting moments is the amount of times I see that phrase used as a rallying cry to folks to, to solicit and to give feedback to one another. And you just start to see these roots driving throughout the organization and, and just getting deeper and deeper and wider. And that's when I know we've been successful at it. Um, and and it's really it's so exciting. You know you you know you're doing your job, at least partway right. <laughs> Love it. No, it must be very rewarding. Learning cultures are kind of tricky, right? Because once they're up and running, they're kind of these self-sustaining reward loops. Right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Productive learning cultures seem to retain talent. They boost the reputation of the organization. They you know they help make people more creative and make the organization more innovative and all these great things and. 
once it's up and running, it seems like those things are very easy are easy enough to see and spot. But how do you start if you're listening to this and thinking, man, everything that, that they, these guys are talking about sounds great. I really want to start to move the needle in my own organization. How do you start the momentum moving in the right direction to build something like what you guys are doing? I think there's a couple of things people can think about. I, I know I've been doubling down on feedback a lot, but it's an important thing to build foundationally. And I'd encourage folks to think about whether or not they have a feedback uh, perspective at their company. And, and if if feedback is something that people are giving all directions regularly and starting to build that in, but then also things like, how do you signal to the to the company that learning is okay and it's part of their job? At Udemy, we do something called deal hour, drop everything and learn. And we schedule it at 3 p.m. on a Wednesday. And that's intentional. That's right in the middle of the week. That's right in the middle of the workday. And what we're trying to show is that it's okay to learn. And totally honest with you, I actually don't mind if someone doesn't use that hour to do their learning. I'm more concerned about the signal that it's sending to the organization, that it's showing people that learning is okay. It's it's something that they should be doing. So I think things like that really matter. And then I'd add one more thing, that the leaders in your company, the CEO, and, and even the folks who maybe aren't... Um, you know, they haven't been given formal leadership, but are really important champions or, or folks who have a lot of influence in your company, individual contributors, start using them as champions and evangelists for learning. You want to tap into those resources. Like I said before, everyone owns the learning culture. You want to use those folks to evangelize that learning is the way forward. Do you think building a learning culture is a long-term project or a, you know, because it, it takes time, right? Hard, yes. It is such a, it, it is something that takes time. You, it's, it's what I spend most of my time doing, thinking about how I'm creating those conditions for learning, as you mentioned before, so that people are empowered to participate in it themselves. Um, and and it, it's basically something that you have to work away at. And that takes time and maintenance. It's not something you spin up once and it's done. It, it takes care and feeding. Uh, something I talk a lot about in the book, uh, it, it, it's not just this self-sustaining sort of institution. You have, to, you have to continue to feed and water that so that it maintains and it thrives and grows. You're adding people to your company all the time. How do they know about your learning culture? How do they contribute to your learning culture, these are the questions we have to ask ourselves. You mentioned a minute ago that the that learning is not learning. You know, you have to convince people that learning is okay, or yeah. remind people, or facilitate a culture where that's that's happening. And and not just that learning is okay, but learning is actually deeply valuable, right? Exactly. And, and it's a business business imperative. What do you think are the primary business value? Um, talking points for a learning program. I think it depends on what culture you're already in. So if you've got a culture where people really need to see the ROI of learning, where they need to see the the financial business impact, the, the advice I have is to find an opportunity to show that value, to build that case so that you can win those folks over. Um, if you've got uh, an attrition challenge at your company, you want to talk about the fact that 
that half-life of skills is so important. You want to talk about the fact that employees are starting, not starting, at this point, they have an expectation that learning and development is something a company will provide and offer to them. So there's not a one-fits-all solution to this, but my recommendation is that people think really carefully about who they're trying to sort of win over, find out what they care about, and show them how learning contributes. Because the bottom line is learning always contributes. So just connect those dots for them. Are you ready for one last thought experiment? Of course. Okay. Let's say you get the next two years to address your top priorities as the VP of learning at Udemy, right? Okay. And, and then you're going to write your second book about it. <laughs> My okay? second book. Wild. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, because I am who I am, get to wave a magic wand for you so that everything goes absolutely perfectly in that two years. What would that book be about? You know, I'm really glad you, you actually asked this question. I haven't been thinking about writing a second book, but I've been thinking a lot right now about the future of work in, in two. And it's both that learning is the future of work to me. And then also what 2020 has, has really done to the working world is accelerated this rate of change, this need for organizations to, to be more comfortable with running businesses predominantly online, um, to having asynchronous and distributed workforces. And learning has to play an enormous role in that because not only do we have to support organizations to make that pivot, we need to help them function well in that pivot. And we need to be at the forefront of continuing to develop folks in those kinds of settings. So I, I think that um, it would be an extension of a lot of things I've, I've already talked about, but a deeper dive on, on how that's come to fruition far more quickly than, than we ever thought it would. I, I mean, go back a year in time and, and no one thought we'd be where we are today. We, we thought we'd get here eventually, but not this quickly. Yeah, we underestimated our, uh, <laughs> yeah. our ability to, to, to shift and pivot quickly. Right? We all did, yeah. <laughs> your second book, I'm sure, will be fantastic, as your first book is. Uh, and just want to uh, take the time again to say thanks for, for joining us. And best of luck with everything coming down the pipeline for you guys. And best of luck with book sales. And I'm sure it will continue to do really well. And thanks for, thanks for hanging out. Oh, gosh, thank you so much for having me. This was just such a fun conversation. And I really appreciate you both uh, reading the book and, and just uh, letting me share it with, with your audience. I, I'm, I'm really grateful. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure, Shelley. Take care. That was Shelley Osborne. Just love her attitude and perspective on current trends in workplace learning. And I think that Shelley is absolutely right about the importance of learning and not just learning, but learning cultures in the future of work. If you enjoyed the conversation and you're looking for a stocking stuffer, Shelley's book, The Upskilling Imperative, is well worth both getting and gifting. I've added a link to the book in the show notes, along with any other links that might be useful. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. Take care and all the best.